0: Broadcasting live from a podcast editor's worst nightmare, this is Pop Culture Reference, your one-stop reference for all things pop culture. I'm one of your hosts, Seamus Connolly, and for Garrett Dr. Movies Strother, I have to apologize. And before we get started today, I'm just going to go ahead and lay down a quick explanation, or lack of explanation, I suppose. There was a mystery glitch in the system this week wherein almost all of our news was cut. Don't rightly know how that happened and we are going to absolutely do our best to make sure that that never happens again we're so sorry we touched on the new flash trailer and we were also talking about the brand new uncharted movie trailer which we actually were able to salvage a little bit of the audio from that we'll have a little listen to up top before we move into our main segment the Denis Villeneuve Dune without further ado let's get into the show
1: Stuff in the Flash and Uncharted trailer. Oh, no, yes, leave. that's true. I, I'll.
0: I'm not. I don't want to be such a downer on the show, but I. I've been burned, Garrett. I've been so burned. We all have. No, though. I, I'm
1: not. Yeah, we're. I think you and I are on the same page with most of this stuff. Oh hell yeah, for sure. And
0: I'm still. I'm still. As much as I'm dreading it, so excited to see Uncharted in the theater. It's gonna be so weird. I just. I'm in for the weirdness of it all. didn't it's in
1: february right yeah february 18th but i thought they moved it up to february 8th maybe
0: you know middle of february when all the best movies come
1: out yeah oh yeah (sighs) at least the end of february the end of february is when you start getting good movies back to be fair yeah um it's it's still weird to me that they didn't position this for a summer release which is uh, concerning to say (laughs) they know what they have over there
0: there's no redesigning it like Sonic, you know. It's just it's they're destined for the
1: dumpster. What over if there. they're deep faking uh, <laughs> Nathan Fillion's face onto Tom oh, Holland over there?
0: That would be glorious. Honestly, Nathan Fillion could have been Sully. Yeah, that would have been kind of good.
1: My pitch has has is I think I've definitely given this to you before. You get Caitlin Dever back to play Cassie. Okay, because she plays her in the game. She plays like she does the mocap like and the, the voice mo-cap, acting for That's her. Uh, that's cool. Um, and Caitlin, like Caitlin Dever, she's a real actor. She does Booksmart and obviously season two of Justified. So like, she's really, really good, a really good actor. And I think it, if you bring her back. You do a Cassie Drake adventure, and you can bring in Nathan Fillion as Nathan Drake still. Because he could be just the old, retired yeah, Nathan. Yeah, do it. Like, do it as, like, a HBO show or a Sony. I don't know what so- Sony would partner with, but... Guess um,
0: Netflix? They got Spider-Verse and stuff first, right?
1: Oh, I bet you they did. Yeah, Netflix. See, you could do a Netflix show of, like, Cassie Cassie Drake's adventures. It kind of feels Netflix, like you don't it should have be. To be. beholden. Yeah, exactly. You don't have to be beholden to anything. You just have to be, like, it's just an Uncharted-style adventure.
0: All you really need to do is keep the vibe. You
1: just need that Nathan Drake yeah. energy, and you're golden, and then here we have And you could bring have. in anyone you want. You could bring in any of those older characters that you want. You could bring in Nate. You could bring in Sam. You could bring in Elena. You could bring in Chloe. Like. yeah. I will say that we didn't say this in the trailer, but I really do think the new Chloe looks good.
0: Yeah, I, th- you know, solid casting, I'll say for sure. It's, but you know, that <laughs> that is far from the problem here. It's like so periphery when you look at the main two characters and potentially the collage adventure that they're stitching together here.
1: Yeah, I mean, I could forgive most of it, except for I really don't like Nate and Sully's meeting being changed. I could forgive them doing the plane sequence. I can forgive them doing pirates again, you know. Mm, Yeah, maybe this is just my wishful thinking. I still think it's a red herring and that they're
0: they're doing a job or something, because I don't know if it's If they're trying to make us think that it's canon, they need to play by the rules, you know? They can't just. Like, nobody is going to abandon the canon of the game for what this movie will then tell us is the new one. No one is going to. I
1: like. I like the idea of them bringing up Sam because that makes it feel <laughs> makes Sam feel less forced in the fourth one. Yeah,
0: that that is true. That, that was they just dropped that man in there, don't they?
1: But I don't really mind it because it's in line with Drake's like they do such a good job of establishing why Nate wouldn't talk about Sam.
0: Oh, for sure. Yeah. His uh, mysterious past plus his stubbornness. Uh huh. Like that that plus- is clearly set up for
1: a long time before that. And plus Sully kinda doesn't like Sam. And so that yeah, helps yeah. too. Totally, totally. Like so Sully wouldn't want to bring him up, probably. It's gonna it's it's gonna be interesting. But should we move on to the most epic journey of all? Let's do it up, man. I'm 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 bursting at the seams. Let's do
0: it up. This week's main segment, we are covering the brand spankin' new and somehow impossibly old Denis Villeneuve Dune just came out on HBO and in theaters. It's a it's wild. I'm I'm very excited to talk about this. Uh, Spoiler free thoughts, Garrett. What are, what are you thinking?
1: I was very impressed with this movie, and I was very skeptical going into it because. As we'll talk about later during our pop culture reference, Dune is notoriously unfilmable, right? And I don't know Mm. really anything about Dune other than what I've pop-culturally asked most. And I also was very skeptical about Chalamet as the lead. Mm -hmm. Still, I think that might be the part that I was the least sold on, actually. I think that he uh, doesn't quite have the presence that you need for this kind of, like, chosen one action hero archetype. Sure, sure. But he is a very good actor, and I like him a lot, and he does a good job of navigating this very Villeneuvean tone that we've come to expect from his work, which is Villeneuve is very interested, I think, in the emotionality of characters that are stuck in an environment where they have to, like, push those emotions down. Mm. Like Sicario, Arrival, Blade Runner, and this are all, you know more or less about like duty or responsibility and the fact that you're in these harrowing situations that would be very emotionally taxing but you're having to stifle that and put your professionalism or your work first in order to you know achieve a greater goal yeah and he he definitely loves a main character trapped in
0: a position of importance that they know they have the position of importance in some way but are just like absolutely trapped by destiny or fate or you know, whatever, given reasoning.
1: Chalamet, I think, has the subtlety to pull that off. So I think he's been doing a good job, and I'm really interested to see where in any potential sequels to this film he could really kind of pop off and break out of that mold that he's stuck in for most of this movie. But it's an absolutely gorgeous epic that I enjoyed watching with you um, on my couch and being able to pause and go to the bathroom during. Oh, yeah. <laughs> My um, God. I'm really excited to see it in IMAX as soon as possible because it is absolutely epic. Plus, there's like how much 25% of the screen that we're not seeing when we watched on HBO as opposed to on in IMAX.
0: Gotta like every single shot the set design was beautiful and confusing impossible geometry buildings and the you know the expanse of everything in those big wide sweeping insane shots of this you know these ancient cities and ancient modern architecture and designs i would love to see as much more of that as i possibly can man that IMAX was the only thing I was thinking of when we were watching it in your living room. I mean, it was a still an incredible film on just the TV, but there's got to be so much more to it when you can have that towering
1: over you like you can in an IMAX showing. But yeah, I loved the visuals. I liked how human all the characters felt and how grounded they felt. Again, I think Villeneuve is really good at expressing that kind of stifled humanity. Uh, the performances were all really good. Rebecca Ferguson, in particular, stood out to me as doing a lot of work in a role that could really easily be nothing. Yeah, it's,
0: it's, and granted, I don't know if this is a spoiler or not, but this is part one of this now, what we can assume is going to be a much longer journey. So a lot of the stuff that they're setting up is either probably steeped in a lot of nuance of what some viewers might have already know about the future of the story through the book or previous adaptations on screen. Uh, or if they're just trying to really make this the longest journey that we can, and th- these characters, we're going to see them change over so much more time than just a, you know, two hour and 45 minute intro, basically.
1: Yeah, they dropped that part one on us uh, at the very beginning. <laughs> yeah,
0: right up top of the title card.
1: is brave. I think it's a bold choice because it was not marketed as all at all as the first step in a franchise. But after watching how dense and how interesting this film was, I would way rather them be setting up for a part two of Blank, you know, however many, if it, if it's just another, if there's a second half, if they're going to go beyond that, and do a trilogy or whatever.
0: I mean, to me, at least, it seems like they could go for a long time. I think yeah. dense is a great word to use because it's not necessarily bad it's making this world so rich in this like insane alien culture these warring families whatever this empire that rules over these planets is doing it's it's making me so excited for what is to come it, it made me look up maybe getting a copy of the massive book to try to get in on that maybe it's it's just all very interesting and i'm glad they're going to hopefully be taking their time, God willing, getting as many extra sequels or expansions as they need to, to fill out the full story.
1: Well, I'm also really glad that, you know, I think they could have probably rushed through this story and made what this film is the first half of a film, you know, and done Mm. A full arc. I mean, not that this film doesn't feel complete at the end, but I think it would have been so much worse for it. I think that the time it takes with its characters, the time it takes with its world building, like you've said, is so important to my investment in the story. And it's so important to my enjoyment of being in this world because I am given the time to process and understand it. You
0: can kind of tell you are very much dropped into the middle of this lore A lot of characters that other characters casually know and reference and you know have this deeper understanding of all these like I said the nuances between the families and the planets and these factions it's it's made it's a little daunting to say the least to kind of keep track of all that but like we're saying it's a very well done job that we both do care even though we still know fairly little about the details behind a lot of what's happening.
1: I'm trying to think about what else we can talk about. Um, How good the effects are. I mean, that kind of goes along with how good this movie looks. But I think... Its imagery is so well realized and so interestingly realized. Again, it's got that Villeneuve, You know, he loves um he loves people walking in natural landscapes with out of focus spaceships behind them. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. Also a because big that's, fan I mean, that's of half of Arrival, to be Frank, honest, for
0: sure. And it's also just like the big, uh, the big smooth monolith. I feel like he loves a big towering thing we get a couple of
1: great shots of those in in this movie too well how many times during this movie do you and I turn to each other and say do you think Villeneuve's ever seen 2001 a space odyssey <laughs> oh my god every <laughs> so much that we can see in our entire
0: lives of our pop culture knowledge just unfolded in front of us like oh we this is where it all comes from. It's so it's so much there.
1: You think there's like at least twenty minutes in this movie of just shots of spaceships landing?
0: Oh yeah, one hundred percent landing and taking off. Uh, they're all so satisfying to watch, though. I'm I'm not sure how much of the you know actual hardware designs are based off of like the descriptions in the books, but every choice that they made for like how the ships look, how the weapons interact with each other, and the kind of armor that they wield is very visually satisfying just in every single shot there's something very
1: nice to look at i haven't delved into the hbo featurettes but they have a lot of them for dune oh yeah they do i noticed that and i'm very curious about like what the process was and i'm assuming it's similar to what Vilnius process was on blade runner which is You know, a lot of people are just going to assume because it looks so good that this is like minimal CGI because that's what people think nowadays. Mm. But I think it's probably a really, really successful integration of models and CGI, which is, you know, his Blade Runner 2049 looks incredible. And there's tons of CGI in that movie, but it's grounded by this model work and these practical effects that help tie them together really successfully.
0: Yeah. Oh, there was a couple
1: great action shots that we kind of looked at each other just
0: absolutely mouths agape with how good it looked kind of clearly those practical miniatures being just so expertly wielded with that CG. It was, it was something to see truly. And that's just another check Mark in the column of why we need to go to the IMAX to see this
1: ASAP. Yeah. I think um, if you're comfortable going to the movie theater and you haven't seen this movie yet, go see it at the movie theater because this is the, By far, the best HBO Max movie we've covered on this show, I'd say. And it's the one that I would the most encourage you not to see... On HBO Max.
0: Yeah, I, I hard agree. It was, I mean, obviously so nice to have instant access to it. We got it a day before the theaters got it, which was, you know, obviously super nice. But this is one of those spectacle kind of movies that it's going to it's going to be more than worth it to to have that experience over just seeing the movie itself. Again, such a good movie in general, but it's gonna be like. It's going to be an event when we go there, Garrett. It's going to be, even knowing
1: what we're getting into, it's going to be so big and cool. But should we talk spoilers, Seamus? Yes, please. So this is your official spoiler warning for Dune. I
0: mean, spoilers I almost use loosely because so much of this movie is confusing and yet to be revealed of what's going to happen. But I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I feel I like I, I need all. to see
1: it again. Me too. I definitely feel like I need to see it again to anywhere near fully grasp what was going on.
0: Yeah, definitely. There's a lot of there's a lot of language that is what I can only assume made up alien language um, that I kind of got lost in a lot of names that were assigned to other things that I can't quite remember how to
1: pronounce. Yeah. Johnny Utah. Continue.
0: (laughs) Johnny Utah. Duncan, Idaho. Wild weird character thought that we were going to have a little more with him. But again, there's so much to cover in this story that I kind of get that he got a little bit more of a sideline.
1: I also, from what I understand about the way the books go on, is that that character might be relevant again.
0: Oh, interesting. I mean, we do, there's so many also weird flashbacks, dream sequences, visions that Chalamet gets as their chosen one that I'm, I'm sure, you know, could be an Obi-Wan Force Ghost type of situation, right?
1: Yeah, I don't remember exactly what I've heard. I just know that Idaho, his death does not necessarily dictate the end of his character.
0: And that is definitely going to be one of many things that will be expanded on in this strange world. There are powers that are... Are very shallowly explained as like the powers of the descendant of this chosen one of a secret order that the mother is a part of, but that secret order is also on Gross Job of the Hut, Skarsgard, Planet. It's it's all very connected.
1: I was thinking about this in the shower this morning. That there's a this is a story about a character named Paul who, uh, in a dry, sandy environment has visions of one of the oppressed peoples who his family is helping oppress. <laughs> uh out in the desert and then goes and joins up with that uh character and their disciples
0: it's almost like it's been written before something it's like the greatest book ever written almost
1: (laughs) so yeah I i was just thinking about how on the nose biblically that is
0: yeah my goodness god it is it's you know not subtle it's like i said this thing built a lot of Archetypes that we see to this day, and it's also based on the most basic of storytelling, a chosen one, uh, an oppressive force, a uh, rebellion rising up and taking their freedom back, which is, uh, I assume, where this story is leading to. I mean, Zendaya's barely in this movie. She just got here. She's going to be the cool rebellion girlfriend for for our
1: boy. Yeah, I mean, Zendaya, other than Chalamet, Zendaya was definitely the primary focus of the marketing of this film. Film. So I wonder yeah. if general audiences are going to feel cheated by that.
0: And I'm, you know, of course she's going to be the second lead in the in the next one, very clearly set up that way. But I, it really, she speaks like two lines, right? Like she's very, she's in a couple visions early on, and we're like, okay, she'll show up. They're in the desert for so long, stranded at some point, she's not showing up. Uh, Javier Bardem shows up before she does like twice before she's on screen once in a, like a real way
1: it's strange Javier Bardem is really good in this movie I mean I know he's a really good actor but he does so much with so little
0: we we had to take a minute too he looked very I feel like he looked so much younger than I'm used to him looking like he really sunk into that tribal leader role in a in a very
1: real way I, I thought he did fantastic also, uh, we haven't talked about Josh Brolin or Oscar Isaac yet.
0: Yeah, yeah, they're they're there, they're doing very noble stuff. Did we ever come to a consensus, did Josh Brolin die? Is he still out there?
1: I do not know. I really I don't genuinely know either. do not know.
0: And is that supposed to be specific? He is fighting. He's fighting the intruders at some point, I know that much.
1: Yeah, he's so, really taking them down, too. So
0: maybe the intro of the next one will be him captured, maybe he'll have walked out into the desert to try to find them, to join them, who knows... I'm sure he'll show back up. Oscar Isaac, on the other hand, dead as dead as anything. Super pale like, hydra dead, style. Like three times over. Yeah, oh, stabbed in the back, poisoned, super hard. I do. I love those little assassin hummingbird things. I thought those were very fun.
1: Those are really cool.
0: Yeah, very elegant, super sci-fi way to assassinate the head of a
1: of a family. Yeah, I like I like all the tech in this film. I like mm-hmm. how organic feeling so much of it is. They're they're big dragonflies. Spaceships. Oh hell yeah, loved that for sure. A lot of the
0: yeah, a lot of that tech is also like filters in the nose, recycling the sweat in your body and it's I don't know. It all seemed very cool and practical while also I don't know, feeling very inspirational in a lot of ways. I I love the Batista is just like him and Skarsgård are all sabotaging their equipment too, which I I thought was interesting, and how a lot of this is like trade disputes and and the like different blockades around certain planets, if you will.
1: (laughs) Ah, yes. The negotiator.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I felt it. I got a lot of that, and it just, it reminded me about how much people hated the prequels for how much random space politics it it is and this is all space politics
1: well it's almost like they're doing it in an interesting way yeah Um,
0: fancy that you you care because it's like game of thrones style
1: family drama politics and not just like faceless galactic senate politics not to go on too much of a tangent, but um, in the Bad Batch Ryloth arc, I remember talking to my mom and being like, think about how much more interesting this is than any of the space politics in the
0: <laughs> Yeah, good God. Oh, man. They could have had gold, but now it's all cartoon shows that nobody takes seriously.
1: But yeah, Dune. Um <laughs> Star the, Wars the Dune Man, same Star but, Wars. Yeah,
0: is that maybe it is what that is. We still got an evil empire. We got Skarsgard, he's in a bath of oils. It's gross. I loved his weird levitation long gown thing. I thought it was in, in insanely creepy, along with his gross robot spine thing. I don't understand what a lot of it is supposed to be or what it's supposed to do for him, but it, it just it makes him look insanely
1: kick-ass. Is it implying that he's super old, or that he's diseased, or that he's, like, I, I mean... Oh sure, yeah. I I kind of get that too. a lot of, yeah. I, I a lot of Mad too. Max Fury Road comparisons to be made in this film. Totally, totally. It's a, it's just futury prosthetics. This
0: old evil, gross dude doesn't want to give up power. He's obviously, you know, he's scheming from the shadows. He's setting up Oscar Isaac's family to fail. Tale as old as time. Tale as old as time. Did you have a favorite sequence in this film, Seamus? favorite sequence oh you know me i was i was not uh subtle about my excitement for the sandworms and i thought a lot of the sandworm stuff was awesome just like the intimidation factor of the biggest monster on the planet that is so easily attracted to you if you're just like walking at a steady pace it's I thought that was fantastic. Um, also, the, the scary boo box hand torture I thought was great. That was one of the more intense moments of acting that we saw from Chalamet that I thought was very impressive. Uh, what about you? What, what stands out for you?
1: Um, I mean, you mentioned the sandworm, but the rescue from the spice. Uh, oh, yeah. The spice collector, the spice co- combine thing. That was great. Loved that. I loved Oscar Isaac's dive into like with the when the wings on the dragonfly oh, thing go. Oh hell back. yeah! Very cool stuff. I could fly anything.
0: <laughs> yeah, seriously. Oh man.
1: Yeah, this movie's really good. I really like it.
0: Yeah, that's the thing. I just I want to watch it again. Just it's hard to say in so many words that like visually it will be incredible. At the very least, the music is... I mean, it's Hans Zimmer. He he does a good, um, bois soundtrack, if you will. To me, it fit the big expanses. It It's a far cry from some of his more recent stuff that has been a little boring, I think, is what you're about to touch on. This, it fit very well, and I was thoroughly enjoying the music with just the visuals.
1: Yeah, this is the most uh, I've enjoyed a Hans Zimmer score in almost a decade, probably. And uh, the bagpipes were a big part of that for me oh, when I were really digging the yeah. bagpipes.
0: The bagpipes were awesome. I thought that was so weird, but I, I was so on board instantly.
1: Well, I was thinking about it as, um, like a symbol of, uh... English colonialism
0: that's a great that is a great metaphorical thing I also kind of in my mind I was like this might be evidence of just uh, Earth colonialism in general just like one weird piece of specifically like nationalistic instruments that have made it to the year 10,000 whatever on a different planet ruled by a family that's generations of weird alien sci-fi stuff there's still like a hint of Earth style civilization in there
1: there are not very many aliens in this that we've seen so far there are the sandworms there is whatever is going on with that weird like insect <laughs> human handed thing
0: yeah real gross there I wish we got to see him more oh, i can't um, wait to
1: see him in imax um, oh
0: scuttling around creeping its fingers around
1: gross um were there other i mean we got There's the... that weird little mouse thing oh on. yeah 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 but, I mean, it just looks like a mouse.
0: Yeah, it really was just a lot of, like, helmeted humans. Maybe some of those other, like, noble... Like, when the crier or whatever, the courier from the Empire comes and gives the them their... The Herald, yeah, that's what it is. Uh, Comes and gives the orders. There's a lot of, like, robed, helmeted, hooded figures that look like maybe just higher-ups in whatever galactic empire that could be more alien-looking. But everyone just kind of is a human. There's the blue-eyed people that are just humans who have developed drug dependencies. And, I mean, the Baba Yaga guy looks kind of weird. He's got, like... <laughs> something going on there there's people with like the lip tattoos like him and the other guy who's like advisor to oscar isaac both had the, the eye- eyeball the thing
1: ladybird is yeah. just what i'm gonna call
0: him <laughs> oh sure i didn't know he- i didn't
1: see ladybird really yes.
0: yeah i know i'm snoozing on that i'm sorry
1: i'm trying to think i feel like there's something we're missing I feel like there's just so much to talk about with this movie and there's so many different directions we could go. I'm kind of at a loss at what else to say.
0: It's definitely just like a huge, uh, you need to go see it to understand a lot of our like stammering appreciation for the smallest of the details that you can see in this. It's very Shakespearean, obviously. It's very Star Wars, obviously, obviously confusing sure but one of the best movies i've seen this year hands down i i'm I'm trying to even think of what else is up there for me that came out this year that was as i mean it's an epic it is an epic and that's not something you see i guess unless it's (laughs) velnú but something that's not as easy to come across these days in such a well-done way as something like dune
1: i agree with everything you just said seamus tight we are we are the same as usual There were definitely multiple points in this movie where we said the same thing at the same time.
0: (laughs) Most of them were jokes
1: about Star Wars and 2001. (laughs) Well, yeah. But, um, yeah, I think we should move on to our pop culture reference. More Dune, let's do it. For today's pop culture reference, we're going to be talking about the history of Dune adaptations. Originally published in 1965 by author Frank Herbert, as two parts in a science fiction serial, Dune has spawned many adaptations with varying levels of su- with varying levels of success. The legacy of Dune spans multiple feature films, spin-off novels, video game series, television miniseries, graphic novels, and has an infamous graveyard of abandoned and unfinished variations.
0: Attempts to adapt Dune have been notoriously difficult, with many referring to the novel as unfilmable. The first attempt to bring the story to the big screen was a 1971 project helmed by Alejandro Jodorowsky, which had a troubled three-year pre-production process that ultimately never started shooting. There is a 2013 documentary titled titled Jodorowsky's Dune, further chronicling the details of the production. Shortly after his work on Alien, Ridley Scott was brought in to work on an adaptation which, while going through multiple versions of the script,
1: never moved forward. In 1984 the first successful attempt to realize Dune for the big screen was directed by David Lynch while Frank Herbert was pleased with the adaptation critics and audiences panned the film saying it was unintelligible to those who were not already familiar with the story there was an additional sci-fi channel miniseries produced in 2000 to largely positive reception and from 2008 to 2011 Paramount also attempted to create an adaptation that ultimately went nowhere the
0: latest adaptation of Dune by Denis Villeneuve will be the most ambitious of these attempts with the largest budget of any previous versions of Dune and the express intent to franchise the concept likely dune's greatest filmic impact was not in a direct adaptation at all but from star wars many of the most iconic elements from the franchise are clearly inspired by herbert's novel including the sandy desert planet of tatooine with its moisture farmers and sandworm like sarlacc its chosen one messiah narrative and the planet colonizing evil galactic empire not to mention spice Oh yeah, Spice, of course. We made a lot of those jokes. But yeah, Garrett, have you touched on any of these other adaptations at all? Or was this your absolute very first foray into
1: into what we got for Dune? I knew a lot about Dune because I had friends in high school that were obsessed with the Lynch adaptation. Mm. Um but no, I never personally experienced any kind of Dune storytelling except for what we what we saw the other day with Villeneuve. Although yeah. I'm very interested in going back now and re- and potentially like you said reading the book or even seeing the Lynch version or the documentary about Jodorowsky's version.
0: Oh, that documentary is really interesting. That's that's actually my very first and maybe only previous dune knowledge is just that documentary definitely while we were watching this new one the other day i could recognize a lot of the more iconic imagery like the hand in the pain box and uh, a lot of the sandworm desert imagery like that obviously i was able to kind of just pick that up through i don't know the simpsons whatever whatever was doing parodies of dune for the last uh, couple decades but it's definitely it's definitely in the air out there, so a lot of people probably know more about Dune because of this insane list of adaptations than they think.
1: Again, not to mention Star Wars. I mean, you oh know. man,
0: yeah, that was it, it is it is very clearly inspired. There's little to to veil that, but I guess that's why I, one of the reasons. That Star Wars was so successful was a lot of those inspirations, I'm sure.
1: Also, something that occurred to me just now, we were discussing this, is that in 2008 to 2011, Paramount was also working on Star Trek.
0: Oh wow, they were they were kind of they got their hands in a lot of different pies over there, but and then everyone's favorite super successful Star Trek franchise came out instead, which is interesting. Do you want to talk about Beetlejuice? <laughs> no, I just I just thought a lot about Beetlejuice in general. The the one throwaway sandworm line in that is is very much another soul connection to Dune. Though I do know that Saturn has many areas on the actual planet named by NASA for a lot of Dune concepts, so that's actually a little real-world connection there. Adorable. NASA's a bunch of nerds. Oh, who would have thought? But what do you say we kick it on over to the rec center, Garrett? Let's do it, Seamus. Now it's time to Save the Rec Center, where we give you our weekly recommendations. Garrett, you want to go up first this week? Absolutely,
1: Seamus. Uh, Earlier this week, through my job in university housing, I had the opportunity to uh, have a Real Talk event through Milwaukee Film with filmmaker Anna Kerrigan, whose film Cowboys was featured in the Milwaukee Film Festival last year and also did pretty well at the Tribeca Film Festival in 2020. So I actually watched that film twice this week and was extremely taken with it it stars steve zahn jillian hmm. bell and Anne dowd and it's the story of steve zahn is uh this rural montanan father whose transgender son is being controlled by his conservative ex-wife and, and you know the oh. uh, conservative mother and he decides to take the child to canada to get him out of that you know, kind of toxic situation. And it's... Really, really good. It's a fascinating modern western that deals with these like concepts of gender and masculinity and violence that are so prolific in older westerns and updates them into this modern like air quotes outlaw context. Steve Zahn, who's always a treat, is absolutely incredible in the film. He won Best Actor at Tribeca for it. Actually, oh, nice. Jillian Bell, who I've never been a huge fan of, uh, lately I've been seeing in more dramatic roles and been really enjoying. She's great in this, as is Ann Dowd. So, definitely um, a filmmaker to watch, Anna Kerrigan, and you can stream Cowboys right now on Hulu.
0: That is awesome. That sounds fantastic, man. I, I didn't know that that film was so deep i I wasn't sure what it was about at first but my goodness if i can watch that on hulu right now that sounds like an absolutely beautiful and maybe heartbreaking story am i am i in for a tearjerker here garrett
1: i would say yes Mm. um but it's not um i would say and i don't i i'm i'm trying to tread carefully as i say this i think it while telling a story about bigotry and a story uh, about the unacceptance present in a lot of like especially rural american communities of lgbt folks mm. i think it avoids a lot of the pitfalls of like stereotypical uh queer cinema stereotypical trans cinema and is approaching it with a um like definitely with this kind of genre lens that helps it feel more like it, it's not just oppressively sad there is sadness oh. to it it, you know sure
0: yeah well i'm i'm glad it's not just fully a downer i'm 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 happy that it, i i love a sad movie don't get me wrong but when it's only a sad movie then it gets a little much so i'm glad there's it, it's kind of walking that line and and making those emotions
1: feel like it's not kind of drowning in it yeah i i highly recommend that film i was quite taken with it
0: yeah man i'll definitely check that out thank you
1: but what do you have Seamus?
0: I'm back on the old horror video game train, Garrett. I'm taking a little bit of a left turn. Yeah, right? Me playing horror video games in October? Who would have thought? Oh, man, but I finally, after maybe a decade of owning it, finally beat Amnesia, The Dark Descent. That is one of the classic of all classic horror experiences of the last decade for sure every streamer on youtube has made that game very famous it's probably as cheap as anything you could get on any of the marketplaces playstation or steam it's Kind of an old standby, and I finally got the courage enough to beat it because, god, was it scary? It's, it, I, I very much enjoy a kind of, I don't, I think it's called like a hide and seek style horror game. You are absolutely defenseless, and you cannot fight this monster that is chasing you, so you either gotta run or hide, and it's very well done. A lot of darkness is a big factor in it, obviously. It's a horror game, but it's also takes place in the 1800s, so you gotta, Use candles and oil lanterns that run out. The monster is absolutely terrifying. You probably already very much know what it looks like, but it is definitely makes you sweat for sure. It's it's scarier than I thought a game of that age could really get, and it's definitely highly recommended for me if you haven't given it a shot.
1: Is that the monster that looks like the thing from Pan's Labyrinth with the big open mouth though? Oh yeah, he does kind of look like that guy. But yeah, his mouth is
0: like ripped open and like dripping down to his chest basically. It's it's very gross looking and it'll ooh, it'll get you.
1: Yeah, um that sounds fun. I feel like I would be way too chicken to play it for more than like 20 minutes. <laughs> I
0: I recommend let's let's play it together maybe. You you could watch somebody play it and be scared at the same time.
1: Yeah, that w- that would be fun. Yeah. I, d- I it's more fun to play that stuff to me with with a, oh, with a friend. Oh yeah, for it. sure.
0: Playing playing that kind of stuff alone would just be, you know, scary, less funny. Cuz it, it does get funny when you're, you know, screaming
1: and running, but yeah, I, my my sweetmate, my freshman year, I used to love to watch him play Resident Evil 7. Oh, what a game that is. Yeah, that
0: little side rec center, that game is also very choice.
1: I think you've definitely rec centered that at least <laughs> once. <laughs> I guarantee I <laughs> have. Yeah, centered it more than once. Oh, it's so good.
0: Yeah. Back on the old classics Amnesia, The Dark Descent. Haven't tried the sequel yet, but I own it, so I might give that a shot soon. Is
1: that the pig one? Yeah,
0: Machine for Pigs. I don't know why that is. I know things me out about so games. Yeah, yeah. Don't even worry about it. You got an awareness. We'll get our our Amnesia movie starring Tom Holland as the monster someday. You'll be in the know. <laughs> <laughs>
1: And Mark Wahlberg as the, <laughs> I think, female protagonist of well, those games.
0: So close, uh, but not close at all. It's a man. Okay. Yeah,
1: maybe it's a female in the second one. I I don't, I don't. have not played it. But yeah, I think that wraps us up for this week's episode of Pop Culture Reference. If you want to reach the show, you can tweet us at pcr underscore podcast. Find us on Instagram at pcr underscore podcast. And find us on TikTok at pcr underscore podcast. You can email us at popculturereferencepod at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Give us a like, a rating, a review on whatever platform you're listening on. And next week, we're going to be back on Halloween, Sunday the 31st, covering Edgar Wright's new horror film, Last Night in Soho. Ooh, I
0: cannot, I absolutely cannot wait. That is going to be great.
1: I'm really excited to see it. You know, we're going to be trekking out to the movie theater once again, I think. Oriental probably has that mandatory vax Oh yeah. Status, so I think that you and I feel comfortable enough going there, you know? It's
0: I'm very comfortable doing that, man. I I think Bond was a good a good uh marker for sure. And I'm just thoroughly excited to be back in a theater for a horror movie specifically. I think I haven't seen a horror movie in the theater since like us or something, so it's I'm I'm fully ready to get back on the train.
1: A, a movie we went to see together at the Oriental. Oh, that was at the Oriental, wasn't it? Damn,
0: that ah, yeah. oh, good times.
1: Um, you're gonna be holding your girlfriend's hand in one hand and my hand in the other. Exactly. Feeding I'm you both, boy,
0: feeding you both peanut M Ms like scared little rabbits.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right, but yeah, it, I'm looking forward to it, and we will see you next week.
0: Adios, amigos.